With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning or afternoon. We're kind of in between the two. It's noon on a Tuesday, and welcome in to Taking You to School, formerly the only college hoops show on the uh, RF Sports Radio Network, but now we're talking a little NBA as well, mixing up our hoops. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Perlo of SweetSports.com. That's S-U-I-T-E Sports.com. Check us out when you get a chance. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my colleague at SweetSports.com, our editor-in-chief, our fearless leader. He's also written on the ESPN True Hoop Network, uh, Knicker blogger, Hickory High, uh, Mr. Jeremy Conlon. Jeremy, uh, I don't know if it's snowing where you are, but uh, I'm getting ready to kind of turn my Christmas playlist on. I don't know how it feels over in Belmont. How you doing? I'm doing well. There's snow on the ground. I'm going to head out and shovel in about uh, half an hour once we're done here, and then uh, hopefully make some snow angels. All right. Well, that, that should be fun. I guess, yeah, you, you do live in a house. Look at the perks of an apartment. I don't have to shovel anything. Uh, we're also joined, as always, by roundballdaily.com's uh, Kells Dayton. Kells, uh, I, I mean, you're a little further away from us. I don't know. How, how's the weather looking over there? Uh, we got a ton of snow on the ground here, Joe. I just got done making my snowman. Uh, just made some snow angels myself, so I'm good to go now. I tell you, it's it's almost Christmas time in the city. We're getting ready for the holiday. It finally feels like the holiday season. I feel like they've been having Christmas stuff out since before uh, Halloween, but it finally does kind of feel like the holiday season. You know, we're all up in New England. Kells is over in Connecticut. Uh, Jeremy and I are in the Boston area. But uh, I want to start in New England with the, kind of the resurgence of New England college basketball. Uh, UConn's obviously off to a red-hot start. UMass is ranked for the first time since Gee, I mean, Kels, you probably would know better than me, but first time in a while, safe to say. Uh, and even Providence, they've been kind of gaining some uh, recruiting momentum in the last couple of years, uh, and they gave, what, Kentucky a pretty good fight. So, Kels, uh, what is the state of New England basketball right now? Is, is it kind of back to, uh, well, we won't say the glory days. I don't know if, you know, we think that anybody, any of them are a national title contender right now. But uh, it's kind of building back towards being a, being a force nationally, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely think so, and I think I'm going to argue with you on that point, Joe, because I think UConn mm-hmm. might be a title contender okay. uh, when you take a look at what they've done. Number nine in the AP poll right now, I think they're completely mm-hmm. underrated because I think Shabazz Napier is making a run of being maybe the best point guard in the nation outside of Marcus Smart, mm-hmm. uh, possibly, but I mean, when you look at what he's doing, 15 points a game, seven rebounds a game, he leads the team in rebounding. Uh, 5.9 assists per game, two steals. He's been unbelievable for UConn, been one of the best players in the country this year. And I think UConn's running a little bit under the radar because you look at some of their wins, uh, beat Florida obviously at home on uh, the yeah. Napier buzzer beater, but they have some good wins uh, held off Indiana, held off Maryland. And I think, you know, still being undefeated, I think that, that goes pretty far. And then you take a look at uh, UMass as well, uh, 98, I think, was actually the last time they were uh, ranked 
But, you know, they wow. have some quality wins as well. Uh, wins over BC, LSU, New Mexico, Clemson, BYU. And they've got a guy, Katie Lawane. I want you to remember that name. He's averaging <laughs> 15 and 10. Could be an NBA prospect. He's six foot ten, And, of course, you have Jazz Williams as well. So I think the state yeah. of New England basketball is looking pretty good right now. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Jeremy, I don't know if you – I know you're a big NBA guy, but it is always nice to have uh, some of the local teams doing well. BC obviously isn't uh, isn't great. I, I, the only game I watched, I watched Purdue just thrash them, and I don't think Purdue is particularly good this year. But, uh, I mean, isn't it kind of cool to see – I mean, without Jim Calhoun, UConn kind of turning it around, getting back to being UConn again. And I mean, I don't I don't know if you uh, – any interest in Providence basketball, but they're pretty fun to watch too. Well, yeah, um for the first time in a while, I actually watched a decent amount of college basketball over the past week. Um, and I, I watched UConn, and I caught some of a UMass game um, just offhand as I was flipping through channels. Yeah. Uh, and UConn looks pretty good. I really like Napier. Um, like Kel said, he's really filling up the stat sheet from the point guard spot, which is, um, I mean, it's, it's more common in college, I guess, than it is in the NBA. But uh, just the way that uh, he's rebounding is um, – I mean, if he's going to be a pro prospect, that's a really good indicator. Um, you know, rebounds is something that really translates for guards. If you're a good rebounder, a good rebounding guard in college, you're usually going to be a good rebounding guard yeah. in the pros. Um, and then uh, for UMass, I didn't watch, you know, the whole game. Um, but uh, this uh, Lelane guy, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> but he, like, he's a, he's a big guy. He's long, and he's a little bit bouncy. Um and, uh, you know, the shot blocking is good. Uh, he's, you know, the, the other UMass big man that you're obviously going to think of, Marcus Camby, and, they, you know, they don't have too many similarities other than they're both, you know, super tall and super long. But, um, you know, he's a junior, which makes me think uh, he's not going to be a, a super high prospect just because yeah. he'll, he'll probably have a lower ceiling than, than the younger guys. But, um, they, you know, based on what I saw in the, in the game that I watched uh, – um, I could see him being a, a fringe second-round prospect come draft time. Yeah, definitely some uh, some NBA talent throughout New England right now. Uh, so that's that's kind of been the story around here for the the young college basketball season has been New England teams kind of pleasantly surprising, except for Boston College, like I mentioned. Uh, but the, the story nationally, obviously, this is the year of the freshmen, uh, and a couple teams that have really benefited from freshmen. Obviously, Kentucky's the big one with their uh, you know. Fab Five-esque recruiting class with, you know, a lot of great players coming in. And uh, you look at Arizona now, they've moved to being ranked number one in the country uh, with Aaron Gordon playing really, really well. Uh, but I do want to talk about Kentucky for a second. And, Kels, I'll go back to you. They've dropped a couple games, and, you know, I don't want to – you obviously don't want to push the panic button. It's, it's college basketball as long as you get into the tournament. You've got as good a shot as anybody. They've obviously got tremendous talent. And their losses, I don't think you could say either is a bad loss with Michigan State and Baylor. Um uh, but is this team, you know, they're, they're probably, the, you know, just pound for pound the most talented team in the country. But is this inexperience making them a little bit more vulnerable than, than maybe we thought in the preseason? Yeah, Joe, I, I definitely think so. I think they're more vulnerable than people think, uh, mainly because they haven't figured out how to play yet. I think, uh, obviously, with Julius Randle, uh, they're the most talented player. And I think the guy that they should go down to down in the low block that they seem to kind of go away from him at times and he's disappeared at times in games uh, when he really should be taking over. And I think they've won a lot of games. They got a chance to see them uh, in Brooklyn uh, play Providence. Mm-hmm. 
we won a lot of games based on pure talent, I feel like. Uh, a lot of times yeah. they don't really know what to do in situations, which should be expected because they're so young. But I think, you know, they don't shoot the three very well, uh, shoot 33% on the year as a team, the three on a consistent basis. So I think if you get in the tournament, you get it with a team like that that can shut you down, um, maybe mm-hmm. playing zone or, or some, someone who can shut you down as far as uh, the low block is concerned and you have to have to shoot those threes in the tournament. I think that could be a big problem for them, especially if the team gets hot from deep. Um, so I think that could definitely be something that holds them back, and I think they are a little bit more vulnerable. I think you saw it on Baylor uh, with a team that's as athletic as they are um, that's more well-coached. I'm not going to say well-coached, but knows what to do, knows how to play a little bit more than they do. Um, I think mm-hmm. you see the difference. I think you see that teams definitely can knock them off, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, Jeremy, I want to go to you. I know that they're a really fun team to watch. Like I said, probably the most talented team in the country. Uh, are they still considered uh, – they came into the season as the uh, the favorite to win it all. Obviously, that's a tough thing to put on any team uh, in college basketball just because of the one-and-done format of the NCAA tournament. But would you still put them as one of those, you know, five or six teams that you're viewing right now as a, as a real national title contender? Uh, yeah, I would. And, and the thing with Kentucky, and this has been true for them for a number of years, uh, just because they always seem to bring in so many freshmen, it's almost like the first 10, 12 games of the season don't really matter for them. Because yeah. like you can basically just throw those out because they have so many freshmen that are just starting to play with each other that you're really not getting a good grasp on what they're going to do as a team until you're 15, 20 games into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously they, the early season matters in terms of, you know, you know what seed they're going to end up being in the tournament if they make the tournament. Obviously last year they didn't. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the fact that they played so competitively with Michigan State and Baylor is a pretty good sign because, like, those are those are games that you would almost expect them to lose just because it's mm-hmm. so early in the season for a team that's loaded with freshmen. Um, I think I mean, it's, it's something that we say every time we talk about them, but they're going to be getting better as the season goes on, and they clearly mm-hmm. have the highest ceiling, I think, of any team in the country. Um, and, and to what Kel said about their three-point shooting, that's, that's been a problem, obviously, uh, but I think uh, James Young, especially, I think he's going to, you know, he's going to start to make those shots. It's, I think it's a little bit of a, you know, too early to say he's having real problems shooting. I just think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a sample size thing. They've only played nine games, um, yeah. so I think as the season goes on, it's just going to be he's going to get on a, a streak where, um, you know, he's going to, you know, push back up towards the forty percent line. Um, just because that's really what he does well. And it's, I wouldn't expect him to shoot 33 34% all season. Um, but, I mean, for, for them, it's, it's going to be, once they get into the conference season, um, that's when we're going to start to see them, like, start to put things together in terms of, um, you know, finding out what sets they want to run consistently, um, finding out what action seems to work more than others, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, most, most of it, they're, they, they're the, uh, like you said, past couple of years, Kentucky gets better as the year goes on as their players grow up. And obviously they're, uh, I wouldn't expect this team, barring, you know, some kind of an injury like they had Noel go down last year, uh, barring some kind of injury, I would expect this team to make the tournament and, and be a heavy factor deep into March. Uh, another freshman we want to talk about, we, I feel like we've talked about uh, Julius Randle and Jabari Parker a lot. They've gotten off to such great starts. Uh, Randle's a double-double machine for Kentucky. Uh, despite their losses, he's been great. Uh, the guy that came in as the number one prospect and the you know the next great player, the great player of this generation, 
Uh, Andrew Wiggins, he's struggling a little bit. Shot's been a little off, kind of a, taking a little bit longer to adjust to the, uh, to the college game. He's probably not as physically, uh, you know, filled out as those guys. But, uh, you know, he also, I, I would also argue he doesn't have quite as much help around him uh, while still having youth around him. So it's, it's an inter- interesting situation he's in uh, at Kansas. They obviously lose on that really exciting buzzer beater to Colorado that everybody's been talking about. Uh, uh, Jeremy, I'll stick with you. Uh, is this – these struggles, are, are, are they really that unexpected, and are they cause for concern with Andrew Wiggins, or is this just kind of you know, going to be the natural maturation? Well, so I'm not even sure the struggles are actually existing. Like, he's still playing incredibly well for a freshman yeah. seven games. In yeah, I mean, career. compared to compared to the immense amount of hype he had coming in. Maybe, and maybe we're judging yeah, him on an unfair scale. Yeah, compared to the expectations, he's like he hasn't blown the doors off by any means. But he's like he's yeah. shooting forty nine percent from the floor, which is really good for a perimeter player freshman. Yeah. Like he's not doing a lot of post up, you know, inside work. He's it's mostly been jump shots. Um, yeah. I mean, the free throw shooting, he's only shooting sixty three percent. That's uh, you know a red flag, but I think that's going to you know pop back up as the season goes on. Um, I mean, and, and, and you know, with all the hype that he had. I mean, a lot of people that, you know, really pay really close attention to this stuff sort of expected him to be the slowest coming out of the gate because, um, like, Parker and Randall and, you know, Gordon and, you know, these other guys that are at the top of the, the draft, um, the mock drafts this year, they have a more polished game right now. But Wiggins has the highest ceiling because of how much athleticism he has. I mean, he, he's clearly the most athletic of that group. Um, yeah. And his ball skills are more raw, but he has all the tools that he needs to sort of make all those things work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no one, I don't think anyone was expecting him to come in like Kevin Durant an average of 30-10 as a freshman. I think every, you know, all the people that talk about Wiggins are more projecting him two, three years down the line as opposed to being the guy that is immediately the best player in the country from the first day he steps on campus. I don't think a lot of people are expecting that. Um mm-hmm. So the fact that he's not doing that sort of lines up with that. Um, but, I mean, like his body is definitely his biggest um, drawback right now. He just doesn't have the strength um, to sort of deal with college defenses on an every-night basis. But that's something that he's mm-hmm. going to improve on as the season goes on. Yeah, well, you, you would certainly hope so. Kels, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to uh, to watch him. I, but. And I lost in all this. I've been pretty impressed with uh, with Colorado. I think they're still undefeated, and obviously a huge, huge win for them against perennial uh, Big 12 power Kansas. But uh, speaking about Andrew Wiggins, uh, is this something you kind of expected, or has he maybe underwhelmed you a little bit? Yeah, well, first off, that was a travel at the end of the Colorado game. <laughs> ah, but it was so exciting. Don't take that away from him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might have been a Euro step kind of thing, but I think it was a travel, but uh, I think uh, I think it's been a little unexpected from Wiggins just how much he struggled based on all the hype that he's gotten coming in. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you thought he was going to be basically, like like Jeremy said, like the Kevin Durant of college basketball. I thought that anyway. Yeah. Because uh, you take a look at all the hype, obviously the Sports Illustrated covers and everything. But right now, I mean, I take Randall over him. I take Parker over him. Uh, and I take Gordon probably over him as well. And definitely in college basketball in terms of uh, the freshmen that are playing better. And I just think uh, so far he just hasn't been aggressive enough. I think 
there's uh, three games so far where he's taken double-digit field goal attempts, and every other game he hasn't reached that amount. So I think he's too passive on offense. I think uh, you saw Kansas go to him at the end of the Colorado game uh, for a layup, which I think was nice to see him be a go-to guy at that point yeah. in the game. But he kind of seems to, like, backhandedly get 20 points a game. Like, he's not – he doesn't seem like yeah. he's taking over as much as he should. And maybe that's because he is a freshman, but – um, and also, I'll say he's not rebounding uh, well enough for a guy who's six eight. I think, uh, as Jeremy said, his body's probably not uh, where you know it will be in two or three years. But I mean, he's only averaging five rebounds a game. That's definitely not what you would have expected uh, with all the hype coming in. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people thought he'd be a, a really complete player. He's been a good player, but certainly not that uh, that dominant force that many were saying he was when they were proclaiming him Kevin Durant or the next LeBron or, or things of that nature. But we don't need the next LeBron because segue into the NBA. We have the current LeBron and the Heat. Obviously, they're taking on the Indiana Pacers tonight. Head and shoulders, these two teams, above the rest of the Eastern Conference in terms of talent, in terms of system, in terms of expectations. Uh, Jeremy, I'll go to you first. Uh, Not just about tonight's game, but, well, first of all, actually, let's get into tonight's game because I want to know, uh, you know, does Indiana really, you know, we've, Miami's proven they can win on the road in the playoffs. Does Indiana need this uh, need to go and get the one seed in the East to have a shot to knock off the Heat? Or is, is this going to be a knockdown, drag-out kind of thing either way? Um, I don't think it's a question of whether they need it. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously if they have it, it would tip the scales uh, closer in their favor. I'm still not sure if they would be favored over the Heat if they were the one and the Heat were the two. Um, but I, I think it's a question, like, Indiana having home court, I think it's probably close to 50-50, whereas if Miami has home court, um, that's a, a bigger advantage for them uh, just yeah. because they seem to – they most teams play better at home, obviously, but Miami seems to um, even take it to another level. Um, the thing with Indiana um, – in terms of the matchups, and this is something that I noticed over the weekend when they played Oklahoma City, uh, and this is something that Zach Lowe has talked about on Grantland. Um, when a team runs a pick and roll with two perimeter players, uh, and Oklahoma City was doing it with Westbrook and Durant over and over again, for whatever reason, Indiana just doesn't switch on the pick and roll. They do the same uh, schematic defense which is they try to fight over the screen and have the big man hang in the paint. Um, mm-hmm. And that caused a lot of problems because Durant would just pop out and get an open shot. Miami is going to be able to do the same thing with LeBron and Wade running the same action. Um, so that's, you know, that one specific, um, that one specific matchup is going to be something to keep an eye on um, just because it seems to cause a lot of problems for the way that Indiana likes to play defense. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're the type of team that's going to um, really adjust their scheme to like defend one specific type of play. Um, I mean, that's the, I think that's the uh, the key for this matchup is is how well um, Indiana can match up when other teams go small, and that's something that they had a problem with last year because they don't really have um, the small ball type of small power forward. You know, like Miami will play LeBron at power forward. Oklahoma City will play Durant at power forward. Uh, Paul George mm-hmm. doesn't really seem to have the, the rebounding chops to be able to do that. Um, but if Danny Granger is healthy, and it, it, there's reports coming out today that he might play as soon as Friday, 
so if he comes back and can sort of be the small ball power forward to sort of match up when other teams are going small, that could give them um, an element that they haven't had in the last two or three years. Uh, and that's something that could um, lead to them being the number one seed in the East and being able to match up when other teams go small to really put them over the hump and get into the final. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, the Heat have been have made a, a home in the finals the last three years, winning two of those. Uh, Kels, I'll go to you. Uh, does Indiana need, uh, you know, any one game in the NBA? You don't want to put too much weight on it. Uh, but, is, you know, Indiana's playing at home. Do they need a statement win, and do they need to, you know, kind of lock up this uh, home court advantage? Yeah, Joe, I think they do need uh, a statement win, and I, I think they need home court advantage as well. I think uh, – the main thing for them, I think they'll get it too, actually, uh, when you look at it. Because mm-hmm. I, I look at them, and I kind of compare them to, like, the 2002 Sacramento Kings uh, that year when they just they needed they needed home court advantage in that series against the Lakers. And I think, obviously, I think they would have won it if the refs didn't, uh, you know, intervene in that game six in L.A. But uh, I kind of I think of them as kind of a team like that where they're going up, up against the big, bad team, the two-time defending champion, and they're the small market team. They really need – that home court advantage, that kind of uh, respect to show the rest of the league that they are a real, you know, championship contender and a team that can actually win the championship, can actually beat Miami. And I think if they do have home court advantage, I think that's going to be huge for them uh, because they've played well, as we saw in the playoffs against the Heat uh, at home. And I think, you know, getting that extra game at home, getting that game seven at home could make all the difference in the world. So I think as far as uh, big games go in the NBA season, I think tonight is definitely one of them definitely the one that you're going to circle on your calendar. And I think uh, one thing that happened when you saw them lose at Oklahoma City, uh, so far this year they haven't had a ton of uh, statement games. They haven't had a ton of big-time opponents yet. Um, they've taken get care of uh, the teams they have to take care of, and they've won a lot of games against the Torontos and Brooklyns and uh, Milwaukee's and everything. But I think to get a big win at home against the Heat tonight would go a long way towards kind of cementing their start and cementing their chance of having that one seed in the playoffs. Yeah, it would be. Uh, it would be. I think it would be pretty big for them to get that one seed. And, you know, you don't want to go back to Miami for Game Seven, as we've seen some weird things happen. Go to Miami for Game Seven. Uh, <laughs> the last guy I want to touch on, uh, Kobe Bryant made his return in the loss to the Raptors. Didn't didn't play particularly well. Uh, he was pretty hard on himself, but then later came out and said, oh, "Well, you know, I wasn't quite as." Basically, said I wasn't quite as god awful as I, I made myself to be. Uh, Jeremy, what? What, is there really a point to bring back this early? Uh, do you think it was – is this a rush thing? I'm, I'm not really familiar with his rehab. Is this a rush thing, or is this just normal? What, kind of what is the deal with Kobe Bryant right now? Um, so when he got injured in April, it was, I guess, beginning to mid-April, um, the timetable was set up as six to nine months, and this is basically mm-hmm. six months, which is the early end of that window. And knowing how um, – how much of like a workout fiend Kobe is. Um, yeah. it's, it's not. I wouldn't say it's that surprising that he got back as soon as he got back. Um, yeah. And all things considered, um, I mean, he he uh, his like ball skills were off, but that's just sort of roughness. Like he wasn't yeah. dribbling well, he wasn't passing very well, he wasn't shooting very well. But that's just a function of not playing basketball for the last six months. Um, physically, yeah. he looked, you know, the best that you can look coming off an Achilles injury. Um, And, you know, if you're looking at uh, the two other uh, sort of big-name players that have had 
Achilles injuries in the last couple of years. Uh, one was Chauncey Billups. The other was Elton Brand. And Kobe looked way better physically than either of those two guys looked, you know, even a month or two after coming back from their injury. Um, yeah. So I think with Kobe, um, I don't think it's a, a question of coming back too soon because most of the things that went wrong were just rust, and that's not something that would have improved if he had waited another month to come yeah. back. Um, so, and, and, you know, the the other thing is is that the Lakers um, have been surprisingly good without him. Still, I mean, it's only 20 games into the season, but they are, yeah. you know, they're playing 500 ball and, you know, two games back from Golden State. Um, so the fact that they were competitive this early in the season um, – yeah it might make sense to bring him back as soon as possible, thinking that he might be able to push them up a level and maybe, you know, shock people and actually get into the playoffs, which nobody was really expecting them to do. Um, and if they can get into the playoffs, um, you know, Kobe's the type of player that can win you a series by himself. He won't, you know, drag them to the finals by himself. Um, but they could upset, you know, you know, one of the, the Spurs or the, the Thunder or a team like that in the first round, you know, if Kobe's back on his game. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's being Kobe. That you have to, yeah, I mean, he's the he's the guy that in like 2006 is the the prime example. Like, if he's just going to shoot 35 times a game, I mean, you're going to be a competitive team just because he's so uh, adept at making just ridiculous shots that nobody else in the league yeah. can make. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, that's the thing with the Lakers is, um, you know, because Kobe is Kobe. Uh, they're going to be able to stay competitive uh, and maybe even get into the playoffs. Yeah, that would be uh, – I mean, they were – a lot of people thought they were going to be a dumpster fire coming into the year, and you're right. The fact that they've been able to at least, you know, kind of tread water without him is is a good sign. Kell's a right move to bring Kobe back at this point, and, and could you see the Lakers maybe slipping into the bottom of the West? Uh, yeah, Joe, I can see them slipping in, but I think it's going to be tough. I mean, there's kind of a log jam down there at the bottom end of the yeah. Western Conference standings when you take a look. You know, Dallas, Phoenix has played so much better than anyone expected. Uh, Denver, uh, even Golden State right now. If you look at the standings, the Warriors are out of the playoffs right now. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good move because I think they need to win as many games as they possibly can right now to try to get back to that playoff push. I think they did a good job of treading water without him in there. And uh, I don't know if I agree with Jeremy, though, that he can win a series by himself at this point in his career. I'm not sure if he can uh, will the Lakers to a win over, you know, the Spurs or someone, the Thunder at the top of that Western Conference. I think maybe if they earn themselves kind of like a four or five seed or six seed, maybe they could push themselves through the second round. But I really think at this point in his career, I'm not sure that he can will a team to a first-round win in a series like that. Yeah, well, it would be tough. It would be a lot to ask against uh, one of the elite teams if, you know, they snuck in as the eight seed. I also – I don't know if I can see them climbing that high even with a healthy Kobe Bryant. It's, it's going to be interesting uh, to kind of see how Los Angeles you – know, they're always a story no matter what. Uh, going to be interesting to see what the Lakers do. That's all the time we have for you uh, on taking you to school this week. Thank you so much for joining us. For Kells Dayton and Jeremy Conlon, I'm Joe Perello. Have a great week, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, 
all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.